This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I want us to go to Mark chapter 12. This morning we have been working our way through the gospel according to Mark, and I know it has been so enriching in my life, and uh, I trust that in yours, as we're getting a greater understanding of our Lord in his earthly life and ministry, a greater understanding of his word, and as we come to know his word more, we come to know him more. And as we come to this 12th chapter, we understand that the Lord Jesus is in the final days before his crucifixion. He has been in the temple where he has cleansed the temple. And much to the indignation of the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, and all of the leaders there, he cleansed it. They begin to question him. They are not only aggravated by the fact that he cleansed the temple, they are more disturbed about the popularity that he uh, seemed to be experiencing. We understand that the same crowd who hailed him as he entered into the streets of Jerusalem uh, will in a few days be the group that cries out, crucify him. And so they are endeavoring Uh, to turn the people against him and to ensnare him in his words. They have offered a series of questions. We looked at those questions last time that we met together. And now we come to verse number 35, and we find that the Lord Jesus is the one who is asking the questions. We'll read beginning in verse 35 through verse 44, and then we'll note some things from this text this morning. But let's read it together. The Bible says in verse 35, And Jesus answered and said while he taught in the temple, How say ye the scribes that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. David therefore himself calleth him Lord, and whence is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. And Jesus set over against the treasury, and behold, how the people cast money into the treasury, and many there were rich, or that were rich, cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury." For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. 
Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that as we approach your word this morning, that you would speak to us by your word, by your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord Jesus, to respond to your message and to hear your voice clearly in this hour, we pray. Amen. I want you to notice a phrase you find at the close of verse number 37, and the common people heard him gladly. I want to speak to you on that subject this morning. The common people heard him gladly. Earlier in this chapter, the Lord Jesus gave the parable of the vineyard. And in that parable, the Lord is speaking concerning uh, the failure of the leaders of the nation of Israel. He is speaking concerning the fact that though they were charged with the responsibility of tending to the vineyard, tending to the flock of God, they had failed to do so. In the prophecy of Jeremiah, as we come to the book of Jeremiah, we find that Jeremiah is one of those servants who was sent by the householder. That's the parable of the vineyard. The householder had the vineyard. He led it out to husbandmen, and he sent his servants to gather the harvest, but they mistreated his servants. They stoned some. They uh, put others in prison. They killed others. And then eventually the Lord sends his son. The householder sent the son. And when the son came, they killed the son, thinking that they would receive the inheritance that belonged to the son. In that parable, the Lord Jesus exposes the motive and the plan of the Pharisees. Jeremiah was one of those servants, and when he came to speak to Israel on the eve of Babylonian captivity, he is decrying the sins of the leaders of the nation of Israel who had failed to tend to the vineyard, who had failed to care for the flock of God. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse number 8, the Bible says, The priest said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. Here, Jeremiah, by the word of the Lord, is reproving the leaders because they failed to take care of the flock of God. He says, the priests did not seek the Lord. They that handled the law did not know me, the lawgiver. In Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse number 10, he said, many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. They have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. They have made it desolate, and being desolate, it mourneth unto me. The whole land is made desolate because no man layeth it to heart. He said, when I look at my people, when I look at the nation of Israel, when I see the deplorable conditions, I understand it is because the shepherds have not fulfilled their responsibility to love and to lead the people. And I want to say to you today that a America is in terrible condition because our leaders have not loved God and they have not led the people. He said, they've destroyed my vineyard. 
In Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse number one, he said, woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. Here is the message of the servant who came to the husbandmen and reproved them. Now, as we come to Mark chapter 12, we find the son and he's reproving them of the same thing. And when he reproved them, here's what we find. The common people, the everyday, rank and file, citizen of Jerusalem, the people of Judah, the nation of Israel, were so refreshed when they heard the truth, it pleased them. And they heard his word gladly. Do you know what our world needs to hear today? They need to hear the word of God. They need to hear his voice. And God has called us to be his messengers. And so may the Lord help us. As we look at this passage, I want you to note three things. Note, first of all, with me, the pleased hearers. The Bible says the common people heard him gladly. Now, as the Lord began to speak to them, they listened, and they were filled with joy. They were pleased to hear this refreshing refrain coming from the mouth of Christ. They were sick and tired of the divisiveness and the strife and the envy and the covetous spirit of their religious leaders. The warring factions, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, they were tired of all of that. They could see through it all very clearly. But when they heard Jesus, it was refreshing to them. Now, there were two things that pleased them greatly, I believe, as they heard the Lord speak. First of all, and most importantly, he explained the scriptures. He explained the scriptures. Notice in verse 35, and Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, how say ye the scribes that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. That is a reference to Psalm 110 in verse one. David therefore himself called him Lord and whence is he then his son? So the Lord Jesus asked them a question. How do you as scribes say that the Messiah is the son of David? When David said, he is Lord. When the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. The Lord there, Jehovah, says to my Lord, sit on my right hand. The only one who can sit on the right hand of the Father is the Son. To sit on the right hand of the throne of God, you must be equal with God. So the dilemma that Jesus is portraying, is giving to these, to, to these men is that, wait a minute, you say the Messiah is the son of David, but David said he is the son of God. Now in truth, Jesus was the son of David. 
had the scribes and Pharisees and all his detractors and critics, had they bothered to go into the temple and pull out the registry and look through the records, they would know clearly that on Mary's side and on the side of Joseph, Jesus was a descendant of David. But more than a descendant of David and a son of David, he was the son of God. And he is explaining to these people that the Messiah is not simply a a, a man who is born the son of David, but that the Messiah is God, the son of God, come in human flesh. Now, he's making this point to the scribes, and if you remember the questions that he received in the previous verse, the scribe came to him and said, what is the greatest commandment? And the Lord said, let me tell you what the greatest commandment is. It's to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is likened to it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the Bible says that the scribe answering him, look in verse number 32, and the scribe said unto him, well, master, thou hast said the truth. It was refreshing for somebody to speak the truth, wasn't it? By the way, that would be refreshing to hear in our land, would it not? The truth. He said, well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God and there is none other but he, and to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbors himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, that means discernibly. He did not have the same tone as the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians. He had a different tone. He heard the truth, and he was responding to it. It was softening him. It was conditioning him. And the Lord said, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after durst ask him any question. You see, he had come to the door of the kingdom. He wasn't far from it. What did he have to do to enter in? He had to acknowledge this, something that the scribes would not acknowledge, that the Messiah was not simply the son of David, but that he was the son of God. And I wonder how many of you and how many people in this uh, community have acknowledged that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, you will not come into the kingdom of God unless you're willing to bow and reverence the Son of God, to believe upon him, to confess that he is the Christ who died for your sin, that rose again on the, on the third day, and whoever liveth to make intercession for you, until you are willing to confess that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and that he's the only one, until then you will not enter into the kingdom of God. And I trust that you have entered. And if you have it, understand that Jesus is appealing to this group at this moment to believe on him. And so he explains to them the scriptures. Not only does he explain to them the scriptures, but he exposes the scribes. The scribes were the experts, so to speak. They were the teachers. They were called rabbi in the marketplaces, and they loved to be called rabbi. They loved the fact that everybody thought they uh, were the people who were the dispensers of all truth and knowledge. But when confronted with this question concerning their understanding of the Bible and who the Messiah was, they had no answer. You see, the scribes and all of those leaders, they were looking for a Messiah who was the son of David to deliver them from Roman oppression, to deliver them from the Gentile kings, 
but they were not looking for the Son of God who would deliver them from the dominion of the devil and the bondage of their sin. And so now they have been exposed. Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse number 37, and the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. Verse 39, search the scriptures. Now remember the scribes were considered to be experts in the scriptures. Search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Now they've been exposed. They don't even know the one they profess to know. They don't know the word that they profess to know. And the people who already knew it are just glad to hear somebody say it. And they are refreshed and they hear him gladly. That leads us to a second thought. Not only do we see here the pleased hearers, but then we see the proud scribes. The proud scribes. Notice, if you would, please, in verse number 38, and he said unto them in his doctrine. Now, he's speaking to the whole multitude here. Beware of the scribes, which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at the feasts, which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. What is he doing here? He's warning the people of the danger of these scribes. He's warning them not to follow them. Now imagine one of the common people living in the land, hearing all of these people all of your life being told to listen to them only to find out that they're not telling you the truth, only to find out that they really don't care about you. All they care about is themselves. It sounds a lot like modern-day America, does it not? And the Lord is calling the scribes out in front of the people, and he's telling the people, don't follow them. You have heard me gladly, he says, So don't follow them, follow me. By the way, think of all the people who have left churches because they've been treated unfairly or unjustly or they've seen some inconsistency in the life of a minister or there's been some problem in a church and because of that, they've turned away from the Lord. You better know who you're following today. We're following Jesus. I'm thankful for godly men and godly women that God has placed in my lives. But I, they, they help me. They encourage me. But I'm not following them. I'm following him. He said, don't listen to these people. Now, these people didn't have any hint of sincerity. This isn't a case where they, they were on the right path and then they messed up and somebody left over that. No, this is a case where these people do not know the Lord and they've not preached the truth and they've not even pretended to subscribe to it. 
and it's evident to all. They're false teachers and false prophets. You see, the great danger of a false teacher and a false prophet is not just that they have turned from the truth. It is that they lead others away from the truth. And so the Lord is warning them here. Now, he warns them of three things. Number one, he warns them of their desires, the desires of the scribes. Here he addresses their motives. What does he say here in verse number 38? Beware the scribes which love to go in long clothing. Now, the scribes had a different kind of an outfit. It was a long white robe. It had all, tort, uh, all sorts of, of, of little adorning things upon it, uh, especially the fringes at the bottom. And when people saw them walking uh, in the streets, they were readily identified by their white robes. And the Bible says the Lord spoke of them that they love to go in long clothing. You see, they had an affection but it wasn't an affection for God and for his people. It was a love for their suits, a love for their salutations. Notice, if you would, they love salutations in the marketplaces. They love being recognized. They like being told that they were good people. Oh, there's, there's the rabbi. We're so glad to see you. They love the accolades and the adorning uh, adornment of the crowd, verse 39, and the chief seats in the synagogue. See, they love their suits. They love their salutations. They love their seats. They, they like being recognized. If they went into the synagogue, they were placed up in front of the people. They were in the chief seats in the uppermost rooms at the feasts. That's their desire. The Lord Jesus said to them in Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 5, he said, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. You see, they wanted the glory for themselves. And so he rebukes them for their desires. Then he rebukes them for their deeds. Notice what they did. Look in verse 40, which devour widows' houses. The word devour means they eat, the, they eat them up. They eat up the inheritance of the widow. Now imagine a poor widow grieving the loss of her husband, wondering about her security, wondering about her future. And the scribes come in, pretending to care. But why are they there? They want her substance. You see, a scribe did not draw a salary. He lived off the generosity and the gifts of the people. But in his position of authority, he used that to intimidate them, to coerce them, to pressure them, to lay guilt trips upon them. And here we find that the Lord said they're devouring widows' houses. They're robbing from them. They're taking from them for their own personal gain. You've seen them, haven't you, on television? Send me your money. I'll send you an anointed prayer cloth. Step out in faith. And I believe in faith and I believe giving. I believe in giving to God's church, the local storehouse. But you better be careful who you send your money to. And here we find they devoured widows' houses. And then for pretense, in other words, to put on a show to impress people, they make long prayers, and you walk by them, and you think, oh, these are some really sanctimonious, sanctified people. But they're not. They don't even know God. 
And when the Son of God stands in their presence, they don't recognize him. And finally, when they can't deny who he is, they just flat out reject him. Why? Because they don't want to give up their position. They don't want to give up their power. Notice what he says. He he, he speaks not only of their desires and their deeds, but he speaks of their damnation. These shall receive greater damnation. Why? Because they're the ones who pretend to be the shepherds, but who lead the sheep into destruction. And the Bible warns us time and time again that we are not to follow such but we are to withdraw ourselves. We are to turn away from these false prophets. And in Matthew 23, the Lord Jesus rebukes them sharply. In fact, it's the same incident as takes place in Matthew 12, but with greater detail, or in Mark 12, rather, but with, but with greater detail. And in Matthew 23, eight times we hear the Lord say this, but woe unto you, woe unto you the judgment that is coming against them. And you know, we we live in a land right now and we see people who are sworn to uphold the Constitution of the United States. And they're working to undermine everything that Constitution stands for. We see them make their pious speeches and their sanctimonious attitude and talk about how much they care about America, but they don't care for America. They care only for themselves. And do you know what's even worse than that? Pastors who stand behind pulpits who preach a false gospel because they want the accolades and the approval of men. They capitulate to the culture. They do not conform to the word of God. They are not faithful to preach the word of God, and they're telling people, hey, it's okay. And the common people have been deceived and taught lies. And the Lord says, woe unto them. And may God help us to understand that he has placed us here to be his messengers of truth, to proclaim his message faithfully, and may God give us strength to do it. Because there are still common people who will hear it gladly. And so we see the pleased hearers. We see the proud scribes. But then lastly, we're introduced to this poor widow. We see her in verse 41, and Jesus set over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much, and there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast into their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. The scene shifts from the crowd, from the scribes, from the tension and the strife, and now it's a private moment, perhaps, for the Lord and his disciples. They're seated somewhere in the treasury area, and the Lord is watching people. He's watching them. He sees those who have money come in, and 
they take their coins and they drop them in the treasury. Now, when those coins were dropped into the treasury, uh, it was obvious to the hearers. You could hear the noise of those coins dropping down as they were placed into the receptacles and as they fell into the treasury. And so we find out here that the Bible says, many that were rich cast in much. So there was a lot of noise. But then along with them comes a certain poor widow. And what does she cast in? Just two mites, two thin copper coins, the value of maybe a penny. And she cast them in. They didn't make much noise. They certainly weren't that impressive. But what do we know? We know that Jesus saw her. Can I tell you that every act of devotion, every act of sacrifice, every act of love, every deed you do for the Lord Jesus, he sees it. Sometimes if if people aren't around to see things in our flesh and in our sinful, depraved human minds, we might ask ourselves, was it worth it? Nobody knows I even did it. Oh, that's where we make a great mistake. God knows. And do you know it means more to him when nobody else but him sees it? Because then he knows it comes from a heart that is devoted to him. You see, among, among this, amidst this backdrop of this, this vineyard, that has been torn down because of the failure of the husbandman to tend to it. All the grapes that could have grown on those vines that are not there or that have been removed. In the backdrop of all that, the Lord sees some fruit coming from a poor widow, and it pleases him. You see, he sees it, and it catches his eye, and then he considers it. What does he consider? He considers that this woman is not just any woman giving into the treasury, but that she is a poor widow. Do you know that God knows your state? He knows your standing. He knows your circumstances, and do you know that he cares? And here this poor widow comes, and the Lord knows she is a poor widow, and he sees her drop that in to the treasury, and then he says to his disciples, hey, fellas, come here. I know you're sick of everything you've been seeing from these so-called religious leaders. I, I, I get that. I am too. But look at this poor widow. Look what she's done. There are some people who still love me. Hey, by the way, by the way, As the Lord reminded the prophet, there are still 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. There are still Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches preaching the message of the gospel this very hour. There are still Christians who are walking up and down in this land telling people about the Lord Jesus. There are still people who are falling on their knees in their prayer closets praying for God to send revival. That's still happening in America. There is still a remnant of people who love God and serve God. 
There are still people who are willing to sacrifice in the face of great difficulty and difficult personal circumstances. They're willing to serve the Lord and give. May God help us to be among them and not grow discouraged. And so the Lord who measures things differently than we would says, I want you to notice something about this woman who put in these, these two mites. She hath cast more in, verse 44, than all they which have cast into the treasury. Well, now, wait a minute. When the others came, you could hear the coins falling. You could hear the volume of the noise. But with her, you could just barely hear a tinkling sound. How did she cast in more? Verse 44, for all they did cast in of their abundance. And by the way, let me say this. God is not reproving them for giving. He's not reproving the rich for giving. He is honoring this widow for her gift in the face of her poverty. But she, he says, of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. She gave the Lord everything. I want to ask you a question. Have you given him everything? I want you to think about this widow. She was a widow. She had the disappointment that her husband was no longer with her. She had the fear and the insecurity and the anxiety of that. In the context that we have been looking at this passage, we see that the scribes who were the shepherds of the day, the religious leaders of the day, had been devouring widows' houses. Is it not feasible that they had devoured hers too? But she didn't get bitter. She loved God, and she gave. And do you not believe that God took care of her? I don't know how he did it, but I believe he did it. The Lord noted it. He recorded it in his word. Can you imagine the return she's received on that investment? I imagine there's no greater yield on any investment in the history of the world than on that one. Because she loved the Lord, she was willing to give. John Phillips wrote, and he said, I have often wondered what she found when she arrived home. Did the Lord send Judas with a gift? Just a few days earlier, the Lord had received Zacchaeus' pledge. Half of my goods I give to the poor, he said. Did the Lord touch the heart of that penitent publican and direct his steps to that poor widow's door? We shall never know. But one thing we can anticipate, great will be her reward in heaven. Oh, let's be faithful to the Lord. Let's give him our all. By the way, if he's got our all, he'll have our pocketbook. We won't grumble about our tithes and offerings. We'll happily give those. But will he have our heart? Will he have our time? Will he have our affection? You see, uh, again, the Lord is confronting us with the truth of who he is. He's not just a, a deliverer to get us out of earthly trouble. 
He is the Son of God to deliver us from sin, to deliver us not from the dominion of an earthly king, but from the dominion of the devil. Have you been freed? Have you confessed him? Have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus? Have you received him as your Savior? If you haven't, I implore you to do so today. May God help us not to pay heed to these false teachers, not to follow their pernicious ways, not to get deceived into that same motive. And by the way, we can fall into that snare. You know, it's sort of like I've been serving the Lord. What has he done for me lately? If we're not careful, it becomes about us and not about him. And may God help us to be faithful. And may God help us to love him as this widow loved him. Despite the disappointment, despite the fact that the shepherds had devoured her house, she loved her Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.